we got the alternative energy. Right. free autonomy. Well, we got the alternative energy. This is the Radioactive Show, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and broadcast nationally through the Community Radio Network. I'm your presenter, Lavanya. Today's show was created on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri and Jirwal people. Earlier this month, the Radioactive team travelled to Yiliri in WA to hear from people and communities affected by Cameco's proposed uranium mine. I interviewed locals Marilyn and Colin Bernard, owners of a nearby cattle station which will be affected by the proposed mining. Later in the show, we also hear from Vicky Abdullah, Jirwal traditional owner of the Yiliri site. Well, thank you for joining us on the Radioactive Show. Yeah. Colin, so when did you first come out here to Uno Downs to work and why? Well, we bought Uno Downs at the end of 87 and then um, the reason we came here was because, uh, well, lifestyle. It wasn't so much just lifestyle. It was, uh, I was born in the bush. Marilyn came from Kalgoorlie. Um, she didn't live in the bush as much, but... Uh, I worked out in the Nullarbor, I come from um, uh, Port Augusta uh, from a station out there when I was a child and my father ran a, a station and uh, then joined the railways lived across the Nullarbor, I worked on stations across the Nullarbor and then then I was up in the Kimberley and all over Australia wandering around like a lost child I suppose and then um, I was a contractor in Perth while we grew three kids and uh, we then we, uh, I wanted to get out of there. Unions drove me mad, so we bought the station out here. Uh, bought this place. It was very run down. It had been abandoned for 17 years, and um, we've built that place up since. This was extremely bad when he first came here, but it's livable now, of course. But um, the uh, the reason we came here was uh, uh, because I just love the bush. I work in the bush and. Uh, uh, working stock. And um, where is the proposed uranium site in from where you live? How far away is it? Well, from the homestead here to where they were proposing to build the plant is 60 k's, 60 kilometres. But it's about 20 k's, 20 kilometres from our eastern boundary, which uh, I quite often go through to uh, the eastern side of the property. Uh, by road because uh, the bush tracks are very rough it's uh, very hard to get good tracks through there so I, I go around and it goes straight into um, the property uh, on Yaliri or uh, borders Yaliri and uh, so that's as close as we get is about 20 k's from the from the actual plant but the mining area <coughs> itself is um, I was told is approximately nine and a half kilometres long, running roughly east-west, and uh, so the actual mining would could be as close as ten k's from our boundary, see, yeah. and uh, that's our concern. Um, so you mentioned that's one of your concerns, but what is it about? It's specifically a uranium mine yes. that concerns you and Marilyn the most. Well, uh, the, the actual <coughs> mining of uh, uranium, although mining companies profess that they can keep the dust down, I've, I, I beg to differ simply because it's uh, totally impossible to keep the dust down when you're mining. 
Uh, the prevailing winds here, they come from the east, is and, and the mine will be on the east side of us. So uh, we are going to be um, we're covered in dust from the eastern boundary anyway, uh, regardless if it does get to the homestead. But there's, uh, uh, for an example of my concern over that is when the uh, there was a huge dust storm. Uh, well, a storm came through from the northwest of Western Australia and it blew right across Australia. Uh, where Roxby Downs is, the dust went from there across to Sydney and then from Sydney it got in a slipstream, I believe, and it ended up in New Zealand. Now, <clears throat> that's a bit more than 60 k's. <laughs> so that was my concern. They are telling me that we won't get dusted out. Uh, I'm telling them that that's, that's not true. To be polite. So these radioactive dust tailing is the really big concern for everyone who lives around here, who drinks water around here, has cattle around here. What have Cameco said about their dust management plan? Have you had any conversations with them about this? Cameco spokesperson said that the dust will stop at the boundary of Yaliri, so he's not going to. It. It won't get over the boundary. So somehow we don't know how they're going to manage it, and we are quite concerned mm -hmm. because it will keep coming. And the winds around here are really strong, as we can see. It's um, obviously, like, you know, saying something like that. To manage winds that are this strong and to be able to make that claim is overconfident. Can you tell us about a bit, like, the winds around here? Well, they're horrific at times. We've been going, we, we went around the corner, what, how far? What X corner? amount of kilometres on the uh, crossroads near the mine, going up to one of our top yards on the property, and Willy Willy came along and just tipped our little Suzuki over. Just giant Willy Willies. Well, that and was a Willy Willy, but the, the prevailing winds are here are easterlies, and in the summertime they blow quite strong. And uh, um, that, that, that is uh, the common occurrence in this country. So, Cameco, a Canadian mining company, it's the world's largest uranium mining corporation. Um, is in charge of this project and they're the current leaseholders at the Yaliri site. What has been your experience in dealing with them? Oh, not very good actually at the moment. Uh, they came in and dominated us a little bit, it threw us, uh, took us by surprise but um, hoping if anything can ever come of it things could be better. We're just hoping things don't change and everything's left as is. Well, the other thing is also that um, the, uh, they uh, tried to dominate us in a way. BHP weren't too bad. Um, uh, they sort of uh, discussed things with us in, in a lot better manner um, with uh, Cameco. They sort of come in uh, with a strong arm tie back tactic and uh, I, I, I just wouldn't take that. Uh, so there were a few arguments about different items that they were talking about. Uh, one was the dust, one was water. We had uh, huge arguments about water. With BHP, there wasn't really that problem. When, when we did put in a, um, uh, an objection to their a, a application for a bore field and road and a, a pipeline and power line, uh, I, I objected and they come and see me and we talked about it and they said, well, well, you know, I can understand. They would have been drawing water and drop depleting our water on our eastern side 
and where they wanted to put the bore was uh, the bore field was very close to um, one of my bores uh, that feed uh, water to stock and I just I just couldn't handle that it's uh, and the objection uh, on my behalf was uh, simply because we, we uh, would end up with a depleted water supply whether it took a year or two mm -hmm. um, the more they mine the more water they need and uh, it's possible that we would have run out of water and uh, they said well we could pipe water to you and I said well what about after the mining finishes uh, they said oh we'll be mining there for quite a long time I said well this place is still going to be here for quite a long time as well it's part of the earth it's not going not gonna to disappear like a mining company mm -hmm. so I said um, no, there's no way you're going to draw water out of our, our aquifers. I don't own the water under the ground, but the fact is we're using that water and uh, we've got to share things. And if you put a bore field there, I know that we will lose the water because the elevation of the ground where the bore is, our bore is, would be, uh, is higher than where the bore field was that they wanted to put in and uh, our water supply would have just depleted. And it takes quite a bit of water to run a cattle station, but uranium mines extract millions of litres of water from the ground every day. Yes. So how much water is around Ulyri? Oh, we don't know. We believe there's a lot of underground water, but it's not drinkable. And they'll need astronomical amount of water, won't they? We yeah, just they will, couldn't but, uh, believe they it. They might it's... have put a filtration plant. What they were saying is when they mine, the water that will come into the ground, they're going to put sumps in and they're going to pump it from or dewater it and put it into bores further away and pump it back into the ground. Mm. Now this is what was put to us by Chemico. Mm -hmm. That's what they and also to the environmental people and to the mines department. Yeah. Um, but I found that uh, what they do with mining is not my business, but if they're gonna just, uh, what made me think about uh, their practice of with their water was from Olympic Dam or Roxby Downs where they have depleted one aquifer or sub-artesian basin and what they've done I believe they want to go down past the sub-artesian basin into deeper water so that they can keep mining. Some years back they were going to run a pipeline from the coast out of Port Pirie, Port Augusta, Wyala, wherever it was and they put a desalination plant in and pipe it up there. They also supply water to Anamooka, uh, which is about 40 k's away, I believe, and um, that water for human consumption. And uh, so it is an expensive item, whichever way to go, but they've got to, they want to do this mining, they've got to bear the brunt of the cost. So simple as that. Marilyn, you went to a meeting at Uliri Homestead in 2016, in May 2016, mm -hmm. uh, with Cameco, is that right? With the government... Uh, environmental government people, mines department, health department, and um, and Cameco, and they listened to a program put together by Simon Williamson to Colin and I to explain the mining. And one of the major concerns you mentioned is um, there is not one single mine in this state that has not changed or got bigger when operations have began and we feel this mine is no different. So these are your words from that day before the meeting started. Yep. Um, is this still a big concern of yours? Have you had this conversation? What did Cameco say about this? Or what were the government representatives have to say about this? 
Well, they denied it to both Colin and I, and Colin and I were most disappointed in the whole program that was put together to us by Simon Williamson. We disagreed with a whole lot, and without further information we have received down the track from both mainly BHP and all the paperwork that's been presented to the Environmental Authority and to the government, ours is different and it is going to change and it is going to be bigger. So, uh, and mines do change due, uh, during operation and everything changes and it does become bigger. Anything else to add? I... Well, what Marilyn was saying about uh, mining becoming bigger, um, when it's, it's common with a lot of mines. When they start, they've got so many tonnes or so many uh, grams for, uh, or so many million tonnes of dirt to produce so much material uh, ore. Um, with uranium, I don't know, it's, it, it's a very shallow mining area. Um, they can mine fairly quickly, and as they go along, they will rehab as they go. So the dirt they dig out, they'll cover over what they've mined. So that's how they put it to me. But um, uh, the, the, the fact is, <clears throat> while they are mining, they still can do exploration, and if they find more, they'll just expand the life of the mine, and they'll just keep going. I mean, they say it's going to take 15 years of mine life, but then it leads to 20. Uh, and then it increases and increases. Uh, we've, we've got another mine to the south of us that's uh, not operating, it's in care and maintenance. They're doing exploration work, and that mine was to be, I, I believe, originally was five years, and then it went to seven, then it went to 15, and uh, it just kept going on and on. And then they've in the meantime, they're doing exploration. They found minerals on our place that they wanted to mine. So that extended it and extended it. And uh, the, the fact is, they don't know that there isn't more there. They will keep going with exploration and the, and the life of that mine could be anyone's guess. No, that's true. Well, look at Olympic Dam. Look how long it's been going. And I mean, as Colin said, the mining on our place or south of our place started in 1987 and it's still going today. It's in well, it's care and maintenance at the moment, but it's ready. things are ready to roll again. So, so 30, it's all those years, 30-odd years. So it just goes to show. And when it's cost-involved, an overseas company, they want the money and they'll just keep going for more and more. And that's the saddest part about it. And my concern is, is the workers too. They'll be offered big money for a dangerous job. And when you've got to go through work and then go through two lots of showers, so we've been told, take their clothes off. They've all got to be put in containers and, and buried. It's just everything is a concern. So they've still got a long way to go if it ever happens. And, you know, we'd like to see it left in the ground. Leave it as is for everybody. Well... That's great. Thank you so much, Marilyn and Colin, for joining us. That's quite all right. Thanks, Mike. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, broadcast nationally through the Community Radio Network. If you're just tuning in, we just heard an interview with Marilyn and Colin Bernard, local cattle station owners, about Cameco Zilliri proposed uranium mine site. Next, we'll hear from Jurwa traditional owner of the Yaliri site, Vicky Abdullah. At the start of this month, Ban Uranium Mining Permanently in WA organised a solidarity camp with Jurwa traditional owners at Yaliri. Up to 40 people who had built relationships and solidarity in the community over the past 10 years through the month-long Walker Jura Walkabout Walks were present. 
There were representatives from ICANN, Beyond Uranium Canberra, Ace Collective Melbourne and various anti-nukes organisations from around Australia. Sue Coleman-Hasseldine, Kokutha Elder, nuclear test survivor and untiring anti-nukes activist travelled thousands of kilometres to show sales solidarity with the people of Yaliri. We bring you a very special fireside talk from a warm starry night on Red Dead Country to all present there. Vicky talked to us about her country, her involvement in the movement, dealings with mining companies, building solidarity with other affected communities throughout Australia through the Australian and WA Nuclear Free Alliance meetings. I used to live in Willina at the time. And, yeah, and used to travel up and down to Kalgoorlie, to Leenora, to Willina, and um, this is my uncle and Auntie Rest in Peace, they had a farm and we used to go down to Kalgoorlie to get all the cooked food and all that wheat and a bit of stuff, yeah, and the last time I was driving back, um, back up to Waluna and I was thinking, oh, looking at these people on the side of the road. And I said, who's these crazy people here walking on the side of the road holding flags? And didn't click took much notice and just been these, doing these trips every third week. Uh, yeah, and uh, we sort of had the weekend in Leenora and I bumped into Uncle Cato. And I asked him about it. I said, hey, them mob there walking on the side of the road carrying flags. Uh, they're walking for country. I said, I know, really? Oh, yeah. So I just kept on going. And he asked me one day, are you going to come out? And I think you were between Yaleri and Albin Downs. And when we pulled up, everybody was sitting around a circle. I stood way back, long way. Didn't want to, you know, get in. So I stayed, uh, stayed away for a, until the next morning and looking at these people, oh yeah, talking. And that's when I first met Jeanette. And she came over, oh, welcome, welcome to country, you know. I was, oh yeah. Me, I don't know nothing about, you know, use mob, um, you know, trying to stop this um, uranium. Yeah, and it took me um, a while to sort of think sink in, you know, what um, what was going on. So Uncle Kate asked me, you gonna, you sure you're going to be right? I'll give you four days. <laughs> four days, and I said, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll try. Well, there's a road there, I'll hitchhike. But I sort of, the stories, you know, you hear around the world and around Australia what this industry is doing, I said, oh yeah, I'm getting comfortable now. Got really comfortable now and I'm still here with the group. Yeah, and um, now that I've um, been amazing, you know, just coming out on country. Well, I didn't really sort of, um, because I worked on mining companies, industries, catering, whatever, you know, and I sort of didn't, you know, focus properly on you know, looking after country and that there, so we just only sort of go out on surveys. And that's, that was my sort of little income, but 
I don't go out on things like that anymore, so just want to protect it now, so yeah, and met a lot of friends, families, um, like everyone say, especially Uncle Kevin, Honey Sue, or everyone say, we are one big happy fungi family, mm -hmm. and I think we still are, and you know, I'm just trying to um, get other family members to come out no, you're right, they said, no, I don't want to come out or, you know, it's really hard to bring people out to and try and teach them, but we get our grandchildren out here and they walk, walk the country and, and like I said to my grandchildren and, and my children, you know, I said, you've got to start doing this here, come, come out, look after country, start learning, um, cleaning rock holes and teaching. The people who comes from, you know, especially overseas, you know, people, and um, yeah, and and what we do, what I do, um, like people like come from overseas, and and that they, we, I exchange gifts to people, and I think the last person I gave someone is Jim. Um, you all know, I. Uh, yeah, and I'd done a big painting. It's not dots or anything, it's only three colours. Red, black and yellow. But at this time now, I'm being really happy to see you all here and, you know, <coughs> when I see yous, I get really happy that you've got other lives to go and do other stuff, I get really sad. But sometimes, you know, when we do our walk, I say to everyone, let's turn around and go back. <laughs> you know, start from Lenora and walk back this way. <laughs> I think my first um, WANFA and ANFA was when I went over to, yeah, I think we um, went through the middle on the body bus. Oh, yes, in the country. Started getting nervous. And I said, Jesus, what I'm going to say? at this thing and for meeting and that there and I said oh so like I said I didn't really know what was going on and whatever and I'm hearing everyone you know talking it gave me more um, confidence to talk and speak now so I think I've been on the committee for four years I think <laughs> getting conned in every year so yeah and um yeah, I like to really, um, especially, you know, my two aunties, us, I never sort of really um, get to thank them, you know, and, but we always stick together and, you know, because I, I have moved away from Leonora, but always get in touch with families, the crew in Perth, Frio. We had a lot of good times and it's still going to happen. I think, you know, one thing is to be us all together as one. We stand as one, we speak as one, share things as one and be happy. Do, it, do what's right for our country and start planning things.
and he's all welcome to come back on country. Yeah, um, yeah, so I just got picked by my two aunties to speak, even though I'm a bit shy like them, but I think more I spoke, I think to myself, I was getting more better at it. But when I was doing my health, um, I think when I was doing my health training and at the, and had to fly over to Adelaide to one of the conferences, I had to speak in front of 750 people and for the WA issues and so I think yeah I can go more further of my speaking to ministers, mining mob, yeah. Even like you, I'm sitting down, I'm just sort of getting nervous now. <laughs> but it's all in good mates, good friends, good family. And I can't wait to get to Anfa, I think. Yeah, so, like I said early on, I've um, got invited to um, go out to have a look at the site. And we took a shortcut to have a look at this another big rock hole. And um, yeah, the CEO, he didn't have the keys on him to open the gate. So I jumped out and got a big rock and knocked the thing and opened the gate for them. <laughs> but I know where that road is. Mm. Yeah, so, because we had to come, come through this gate there now and cross over to the other side to go and have a look at our big rock hole. Um, yeah, so we went and checked on um, one of the big rock holes that um, extended right into with it Wednesday up on the rise. Yeah, and cut through there and had a look and everyone went down, Simon went down, had a look. I sat in the middle, had a smoke and the other Elders were sitting up in the car and my nephew just jumped out of the car and saw something shiny. It was a big piece of nugget. And I kept it quiet <laughs> until we went back to Lena and he showed us. And I said, oh yeah. So my next sort of thing is gold hunting. Yeah, if anyone wants to come out, invite some friends. This is the Radioactive Show broadcast nationally through the Community Radio Network. That was Vicky Abdullah speaking on a country in Yaliri, WA. In this episode, we brought you the latest on-ground reporting and updates from Yaliri and the anti-uranium mining movement in WA. I'd like to thank our guests Marilyn Colin-Bernard and Vicky Abdullah. Before we go, a big shout-out to Friends of the Earth Melbourne for their ongoing support of the RAD Show. We encourage listeners to get in touch via Radioactive Show's Facebook page or email on radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. Our episodes are available to podcast on www.3cr.org.au slash radioactive. And that's all we have time for today. Thanks for listening in and keep tuning in for nuclear-free news and views. Thank you.